Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Unexpected vet bills. Yeah. Those three little words can make even the most seasoned breeder nervous. Fortunately, there's Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. A Trupanion policy can help cover the cost of unexpected new accidents or illnesses, allowing you to focus on what really matters, the health of your pet. Last year, Trupanion paid out a wide variety of claims. From sock ingestion to torn ACLs, they've covered it. While you're at it, make sure to take advantage of Trupanion's Breeder Support Program for exclusive access to a special Trupanion offer for your litters, a breeder referral program, and your own dedicated account manager, all at no cost to you. Just follow the link to Trupanion on my partner page and be sure to let them know that Pure Dog Talk sent you. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves. And I have a really important guest for us today, you guys. You know, the airlines just passed new regulations regarding service dog animals on flights. And we all know that there have been people in the past who have taken advantage of the service dog regulations in order to bring dogs on board rather than ship them as cargo. This has been a topic that I have spoken on repeatedly. It makes my head spin off my body. PHA, AKC Registered Handler, and AKC Government Relations all have strong policies against this. And so I thought it was time, long past time, to bring Sarah Howard. She's an educator and advocate for people with disabilities and specifically is a dog person and works with service dogs. And she is going to talk to us about why this is a big deal and why breaking those rules causes harm to others. So thank you, Sarah. I'm really glad you're here. This is something I am, as you said earlier, pretty salty about. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for having me, Laura. Appreciate it. Now you are currently working independently, but you have a lot of history in this particular topic. So tell us about it. How did you get involved in this area? Sure. So my professional experience has been in education, and I've always focused on civil rights for marginalized groups. I worked for Upward Bound. I worked for a university's Title IX and equity offices. And most recently, I was a trainer for one of the 10 ADA centers in the country. Oh, wow. There's a lot of acronyms, but just to remind everyone, ADA is the Americans with Disabilities Act. It is also the American Dental Association, but we try not to fight about it. (laughs) Good. Good. So these centers provide free technical assistance to the public to help them understand and implement the law. And so I spent my time answering hundreds of questions from concerned citizens, parents, local and state government officials Mm -hmm. to help them understand their rights, their responsibilities. And it's really where the rubber meets the road. In the law, it's all hypothetical. In our real lives, we want to know how it's actually going to play out. Right. And I really think that your point, 
your right ends where my nose starts. Yeah. That's one of my really favorite things. And I think that too often we get wrapped up in what's important to us and lose sight of what our responsibility is to one another. Oh, yeah. It's meant to be a balancing act. And yeah, I use that quote all the time. Your right to swing your fist ends where my nose begins. And I think when people think of this topic, they get really held up thinking, oh, well, we're going to get sued and this is really a big inconvenience. But really, at the end of the day, it's about equity. It's about everyone having the same opportunity to enjoy things. So I think when people look at this topic, they misunderstand it. They're defensive and they're worried about what's going to happen to them instead of thinking, if that were me, I want to be treated and have the same opportunities as everyone else. So I think keeping that in mind, that there are rights and responsibilities on both sides of the equation. Yep, absolutely. So talk to us about the new law, just kind of high level. Yeah. Let's understand what has changed. And again, I think focus on why it had to change. Sure. So one thing to understand is that when we talk about the ADA, that's public access. Mm -hmm. But this entire time, there's been a different law for air travel. That's the ACAA, the Air Carrier Access Act. And my bad joke for it was that the law has been up in the air for years, that there were these laws and guidelines, but some of the airlines weren't listening to it. There was a lot of confusion. There was some fraud or misunderstanding of the law. And even though the ADA has been around for 30 years, people still need help understanding it and implementing it as the times change. So looking at the new guidance that the Department of Transportation has offered, you wanted the big overview, dare I say, the view from 31,000 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So looking at it, it really tries to address the issues that keep coming up. You often don't know what's going to come out on the other side of a law of how it's actually going to be implemented. Right. So the big takeaway is that ESAs, emotional support animals, can be viewed by the airlines as pets. That service dogs and service dog handlers, people with disabilities, have certain rights and responsibilities. ESAs are not service dogs. Therefore, they can be treated like pets. The unfortunate part of these changes is it still gives a lot of leeway to the airlines to decide. They draw a few lines in the sand to say, this must happen. These are the hard and fast rules. Other things, they're like, the airline is free to do as they wish. You are free to walk about the cabin now. Okay. Yeah. So what are the hard and fast rules now? So some things that they were able to hash out, number one, that airlines are prohibited from requiring in-person check-in. That was a rule for a lot of them. If you had Mm -hmm. a service dog, you had to check in online in person ahead of time. Looking at it, we're looking at equity. We want people with disabilities to have the same opportunities as everyone else. So if I have the opportunity to check in online ahead of time, that is now afforded to individuals with service dogs. There was also a misunderstanding of definition for psychiatric service dogs. When we look at the definition of disability, it is physical or mental. It is head, shoulders, knees, and toes, your internal organs, your brain. It is all of it. But the ACAA specified psychiatric service dogs, which is focusing on emotional disabilities, cognitive disabilities as a separate category. 
as if they are more closely aligned with an ESA, because thinking of those symptoms, often it's about emotions. Now they don't distinguish. It does not matter what type of disability, if it is trained to be a service dog, then they all fall under the same umbrella. And I've used one of the magic words, which is training. This has always been the case that an ESA has never required any special training. The service they give their handler, when we say emotional support, it is by their mere presence. I know we like to joke that all dogs are therapy dogs, most just freelance. (laughs) And so they don't have to behave in a certain way. Just being with their owner gives them comfort and helps them mitigate their symptoms. So that was the big difference. Right. Now we know that pets are not required to be trained to fly and to travel on airlines. Same with ESA. So that's why they're allowed to be treated under the same rules that the airline establishes for pets. Versus and very specifically opposite service dogs that are trained for a task. Exactly. So another big thing that I think is important that came out of this was the Department of Transportation now has standardized forms. Before, it was a free-for-all, it was the Wild West. If I was a person trying to travel, the rules would be different for every single airline, whichever one I pick. You would also have to look at things like, what specific plane am I flying? Because that's going to tell you Mm. the size of your space that you're going to need to fit in. So now, instead of having to go through these different processes for each and every airline, it's standardized. There are two forms and they must be accepted by every airline. So got to appreciate streamlining that a little bit. The two forms that they created were to address training, behavior, and health that the person with the service dog will attest that this dog has been trained, that it knows how to behave, and that to your knowledge, there are no health issues with the animal. So The easiest example to understand is fleece. If your dog has fleece, they probably should not be traveling. Please. (laughs) Right, right. The other form is for travelers who will be flying for more than eight hours to affirm that their dog can either hold it for the duration of the flight or they will be able to relieve themselves in a sanitary manner. Oftentimes, the beauty of these laws is they're flexible to account for people to make it more accessible so that these organizations can do the things that work best for them and their customers. But it also means we sometimes have to use our imagination. So we can go ahead and imagine how someone will potty their dog in a sanitary manner on a plane. Uh, pee pads in the bathroom? Uh- <laughs> I'm sure people will get creative and right. we'll see what people come up with. Right. Okay. So that's the hard and fast rules. Are there more of those? There are a few more things. These two standardized forms for any airline, they must be submitted 48 hours in advance. And that's so the airline can check them over and make sure there are no errors. And so things can go smoothly when they're ready to fly. It also allows airlines. So when we say allows, it means they're allowed to, does not necessarily mean they will. Uh, Airline may require that the traveler have those forms that we mentioned. Mm -hmm. You turn them in electronically, but you also have them at your departure gate. So that's the other thing. There's a difference between the person who checks you in with your luggage and the person at the gate, and those are always changing. So that's just to be a fail-safe. If there's any question that that hadn't been addressed, they have that documentation. It also limits the number of service dogs per handler to two. And that was a big debate because some people don't understand why a person might need more than one service dog. 
So some examples might be if a person needs constant assistance, usually we refer to that as work, that a dog must be individually trained to do work or perform tasks. The work is that something that they're doing all the time. You might need more than one dog for them to be successful, that one's going to work for a while, next one's going to work for a while. There's also the case where some dogs are trained to do certain tasks. The other dogs are trained to do something else. I'd say the best example is seizure alert dogs. We don't know how some dogs are able to recognize seizures and alert to them. We don't have an answer yet. Maybe we'll have a breakthrough, but they're either born with it or they're not. A person might also have a seizure response dog. So maybe I have one dog that will alert me that this is going to happen and a seizure response dog has tasks to help me while I'm having a seizure. So hmm. that is why a person might have more than one service dog. Some other things that came out were that airlines are allowed to require that your dog fits in the foot space of your seat. Before, it was not explained specifically that any breed or mix can be a service dog. The important question is, does the person have a disability and has this dog been trained? There were some airlines who will remain unnamed who had breed restrictions. And not only was it a matter of being unfair, but this is a medical device. So they don't get to pick which brand the service dog handler gets to use. So now very specifically, any breed. But when we think about the range of breeds, how are we going to fit a Great Dane into our foot space? So these are things that now the handler is going to have to think about and work with the airline. Again, when they say allows, it means they get to come up with their own creative solutions. This is another, this is closer to nitty gritty, but I promise it's not too technical. <laughs> In the ADA, there is the requirement that a dog always be under control, but it didn't specify that it needed to be leashed, harnessed, or tethered necessarily. They must always be in control. Now, that's one of those things where you know it when you see it. Sometimes when I'm walking my dog, I'm a dope on a rope. I am not in control. It is very obvious. So now specifically, the dog must be harnessed, leashed, or tethered. The exception in the ADA was if a person's disability prevented them from using a leash. And the best example I have of that was an individual who they had spine issues. And so if the dog were to trip over something, if it tugged on the leash a certain way, it could harm them. So the dog was always in their control, just not leashed. There was also the exception for a task that needed to be done off leash. So for example, a dog can do a perimeter check. They can go into a room, do a quick sniff, let their handler know, there's no bombs, there's no drugs, nothing's scary right here. And the dog is allowed to be unleashed for that time. Now the dog must still be in control during that time. If they get zoomies while they're supposed to be doing their task, they're no longer in control. Now for airlines, they must always be tethered, leashed, harnessed, both in the airport and on the aircraft. Okay. And everything else is more or less an affirmation of things that were generally accepted. So for example, we mentioned rights and responsibilities, that if you're not meeting your responsibilities, you can be excluded from a service. So it has always been the case that if a dog was a direct threat to health and safety, either to the handler, the dog itself, or the people they're around, 
that's an acceptable reason to exclude them. So that is still the case, that the airlines can still use their powers of perception to look and see whether or not a dog is behaving, and it cannot be based on assumptions or generalizations about a breed. Does that make sense? Yes. So just because I come with my Amstaff, who is my seizure alert dog, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you can exclude me as long as that dog is following proper protocol. Exactly. They must be in control. They must be housebroken and they must not be a direct threat. Those are pretty much it. The fun one from the ADA, that's another acceptable reason to exclude someone. Again, this is a very narrow range, is if it poses a fundamental alteration to the service being provided. So the best example of this outside the airlines is a cat cafe. Laura, have you ever been to a cat cafe? No, no, I have not. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot say I have either. I think I'd rather die, but you know. (laughs) Me too, me too. Basically, it's Starbucks plus cats. And so you can imagine if I bring my service dog into a cat cafe, (laughs) if I bring my service dog into a cat cafe, I'm going to change the vibe, the fundamental essence of what is being offered. So If someone were to create a cat airline and only cats travel, that might be an issue. But otherwise, a dog isn't going to. Those are it. Those are the only reasons you can exclude a dog. Okay. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. Check it. Dog events are happening. For exhibitors who are able and willing to attend these events, it feels as if our tribe has been reunited once again. Meanwhile, for folks who are continuing to feel safest staying at home and away from crowds, and for folks who are driving long haul between far-flung events, I gotcha. I've been working hard to bring you all podcast episodes that help you feel connected to our larger community and offer opportunities for education and entertainment, no matter how you have managed through this truly overwhelming year. One of my favorite events this year is the monthly virtual Pure Dog Talk After Dark for patrons of our podcast. Anybody can join this fabulous community of dog enthusiasts by visiting the website and clicking on the Become a Patron link on the homepage. And while you're there zooming around on the site, you might think about checking out our shopping tab too. We've linked dog show vendors from all around the country so you can help support them during this really grueling loss of income suffered due to a lack of events. There's even a swag link that lets you order your Pure Dog Talk t-shirt, sweatshirt, fan case, mask, <laughs> ringside towel, and so much more. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. So check out the links at www.puredogtalk.com. Your support 
adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. This is, to me, sort of the crux of the issue. Mm -hmm. You used the word fraud earlier. Oh, yeah. Speak to the damage that's caused by fraudulent use of these exceptions. Sure. So that's another added benefit to the new forms is they, at the very top of the form, say, this is a federal document. If you misrepresent yourself in this animal, there are consequences and repercussions. And they list the code and you can go dig into that. But it does make it clear there will be punitive consequences. So when we think of service dogs, the most important thing for people to remember is this is a civil right. This is a legal guarantee that all people will have the same opportunities regardless of their identity and their circumstances. It also specifically prohibits discrimination. In our country, in our history, there have been times when it was legal to discriminate and there was no way to enforce it. So the best way I explain this to people is it's not always fair to treat everyone identically because that's what I hear is why do people with disabilities get special rights? Why do they get good parking spots? Why do they get to go onto the plane first? And they see it as they're getting something that is special or above what other people get. When in reality, the only thing we are trying to guarantee is the same opportunity. So I like to use the example as an educator, if I'm in a classroom and one of the students is choking, I can't justify and say, I can't give that child the Heimlich maneuver. What about all these other children? I could not possibly give the Heimlich maneuver to everyone. Therefore, it would be unfair for me to give you the Heimlich maneuver. But only that child needs the Heimlich maneuver. This isn't a matter of wanting special privileges. It's a matter of needing reasonable accommodations, slight changes to policies, practices, and procedures. So again, they can enjoy the same things as everyone else. It's very frustrating when people are willing to utilize these rights when they don't need them. These other people need these rights. One thing that was mentioned frequently in the new ruling in the long description of how they thought through this process was they discussed losing the public trust of having these animals around. Now, I don't want to excuse people for having stereotypes and misunderstandings about people with disabilities, but we all have them. This is a topic that not a lot of people understand unless it's affected them personally. But when you take advantage of something that's not meant for you, like we have a phrase for that. It's taking candy from a baby. You don't need the candy. And it does hurt people with disabilities. The big thing we focus on is the health and safety of the handler and the service dog themselves. There are horror stories of people's dogs being attacked and killed by other animals that are being represented as service dogs. For individuals with disabilities, this is life-saving medical equipment. This is not a want. This is a need. And so when people utilize something they don't need just because they want it, it does hurt those individuals. So let's take this opportunity to clearly define for people what a service dog is. We've kind of referenced it, but let's explain it very, very specifically. A service dog is trained 
to do a task for the handler at the end of the leash. Yes. So it is any dog breed individually trained to do work or perform tasks. So we mentioned that work would be the thing that a guide dog does. It's Mm -hmm. a whole sequence of activities as opposed to a task, which is usually something you ask the dog to do. And it must be for the benefit of the individual with a disability. In order to qualify, you have to have a disability. That's why we mentioned that it's a right. It's for people that need it. It can be any type of disability, and it can be almost any task which mitigates an aspect of the individual's disability. The task that a dog does must be related to the disability. So if I have a food allergen and my dog is trained to sniff out an allergen, that is directly related to my disability. If I teach my dog to smell out ripe avocados, although useful, it is not directly related to a disability. The other exception is a task cannot be violent. So the task cannot be, when I am afraid, my dog will lunge at you. There are some exceptions for bluffing. So let's say I am anxious to walk to my car in a mall parking lot. I'm allowed to have my dog bark really loudly. It is not threatening anyone directly, but it's letting you know I'm here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think that's really good. And I recognize, like you said, and I think it's common understanding that every dog is a therapy dog. Yeah. Every dog provides emotional support. Oh, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the fraud through the loophole of, I love my dog. He makes me happy. I want him with me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I do not deny that. I think the best way to differentiate between what emotional support is versus a task is it's a verb. A task is something the dog does, Yes. whereas emotional support is passive. So, for example, there are examples of tasks that can mitigate an emotional part of my disability. For example, a dog can interrupt self-harming behavior. That's related to emotion, but the dog must do something. It can't be, when I get nervous, I pet my dog, because that's something you're doing. It's not something the dog is doing. So... I always say, think of the verb. What is the action that the dog is performing? Going back to the new rules, it has always been the case that the airline has been allowed to ask two questions. Mm -hmm. Number one, is this a service animal? Number two, what work or task has it been trained to perform? So now those are on the standardized forms. They can answer. The second question Short and sweet, the person does not need to indicate their disability. And again, they're going to tell you a verb. What does the dog do? The Department of Transportation clarified that you cannot ask the handler to demonstrate what the task is because, again, if I have a seizure alert dog, I cannot perform that on cue. Fortunately. Yes. Okay. So what else do people need to know about these regulations going forward other than don't be fraudulent. Yes. I guess the best thing to do or something that I would want people to take away is actually look into the law and understand your rights and responsibilities. Disability is an identity that any of us could get at any time, today or tomorrow. Arguably, we will all experience it. When we age, our abilities are going to change. So whether or not you care to exercise these rights or have the right to exercise these rights right now, 
this will affect you. These are your rights. So it will do you no harm going and learning about it. And I think in part, something that we can do in our dog community is have some positive social pressure to say, we already know it is not cool to not pick up your poop when your dog does it. It should be equally as understood in people that you don't lie about this. It is too important. People had to fight for these rights. These were not just handed to us. And to abuse them is just, it is just not acceptable. No, it is not acceptable. Thank you, Sarah. I very, very much appreciate your time. And this is a very important topic and one that I have wanted to talk about. This was a great, the new regulations. I'm like, perfect peg. We're talking about it. (laughs) Yeah. Seize the moment. And they will be implementing early 2021. Now that they've published this, it will be happening very soon. Excellent. Very, very good. Well, Sarah, thank you. Best of luck in your future endeavors. We're going to have a bunch of links for people who want to learn more about this. So everybody go to the blog on the website and check out all of the information that Sarah's going to provide for us. Thank you, Laura. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 